0: Guilty. The Naked Scientist Wow, ah, one of my favourite features and I'm so glad that I do get to speak to him when I do sit in on a Monday and uh, Dr. Chris Smith, hi there Yuveka here, how are you doing? I'm good, you? I'm very well, thank you. It is a public holiday, so I'm very well. I would be better off if I was sitting at home with a margarita, but that's all right. I'm very happy to be here, <laughs> uh, especially because, you know, I love this feature and I love getting to ask you these questions. So we've already got so many coming in for you. Um, should we should we get straight to some that were, I think, left over from last week? Somebody wants to know uh, very quickly. Kindly ask the Naked Scientist if DNA results are always a 100% 100% correct or sometimes a second test is necessary?
1: Well it depends what sort of DNA test you're talking about and whenever we do anything in science or medicine you never say never or always because you will always and this is the only exception of using that word be wrong sometimes because there are always things that can go wrong so in our diagnostic laboratory for example we, if we get a crucial test result we always repeat it There's another always because you can never rely on chance and not having played a part somewhere So we always test these things again and again now if it's a test for a diagnostic situation then someone might have sent the wrong sample, they may have tested the wrong sample, the machine may have made an error because nothing's perfect. So there are all different ways that things can go wrong. If it's a DNA fingerprint, you want to find out if uh, you are related to somebody, for example, they, again, may have tested the wrong thing. The sample may have been chewed up in the machine, and you end up with errors that mean you attach significance to some things and not others. Because of the constraints of that, when you are taking a test or being given tests professionally, they will always have safeguards built in. That may include multiple samplings, it may include multiple testings, and it may include multiple interpretations by independent people of Mm. the results Mm. to make sure everything converges on the result that you receive. So really it comes down to what you're testing, who's doing the test, and how they've done the test. So Mm. you must never, ever accept one value if it's an important one, at face value, you should always make sure it's been done properly and maybe even repeated multiple times to make sure before you make life-changing decisions on the basis of one of these sorts of test results.
0: But does it have to come back 100% correct or would you go 98%, 99% chance this is your father? You know, that kind of thing.
1: Well, it it depends, again, what (laughs) what it is that you're measuring. Um, If you are looking at paternity, then they will build in safeguards into the way these tests are done so that when the result is given to you, they are satisfied because someone is staking their professional reputation on that test. I am satisfied that I'm giving you the results and the results, and they will be chances down in a billion that they've yeah. gone wrong. Yeah. They'll be that sure. Okay. If they said, Oh, there's about a battle toss of a coin that I might be wrong <laughs> you know what's the <laughs> point of doing a DNA well, test well you
0: know if it looks really like it you and, the, and the test it's test come is. to a 98% then chances are he's your father if that's what you're looking for okay it's not
1: going to be 90 it's going to be chances in a billion and yeah they, yeah they, in the same way forensically when yes. you're pointing the finger at someone in the docking court and you might be condemning them to spend yeah. the rest of their life yes. in prison that's true. there needs to be an absolutely rock no doubt solid case whatsoever. that you haven't got it wrong Okay. And, and for that reason, you're down at the level of of one in billions of chance.
0: OK, well, before we get to Zoe from Springs, let me remind everyone else of the number to call 11 If you have a question for the Naked Scientist, that's Dr. Chris Smith. Or you can WhatsApp or voice note us on 72 or SMS us briefly on 31702. Let's say hi to Zoe from Springs. Hi there, Zoe. Hi hi, Zoe. So what is it hi. you want to know? I'm good. What is it you want to know from Dr. Chris? I want her to know why do your eyes whistle when you yawn? All right, Chris. I'm not sure if you heard that. Sounds like it's it's, it's a bit windier there, but eight-year-old yeah, um, Zoe. It's not
1: something that happens frequently on this program, though, because of course no one yawns when they're listening to us. Not at all. Oh, we're so not
0: boring. Yes, we're not
1: boring. Um, <laughs> the reason that this happens is if you think about what you do when you yawn, and one of the other things about yawning is it is contagious. If you see or hear other people yawning, you want to yawn yourself. So half the population of teng are probably now <laughs> yawning because we started now, talking about now it. Now we feel like it. But,
0: yeah, thanks, Zoe. nothing to do with program. <laughs> (laughs) content
1: nothing to do with the tone of the program but if you look at someone who's yawning what do they do open their mouth wide screw up their eyes tight shut what effect does that have well it squeezes on the ducts that bring the tears into your eyes so more tears appear in your eyes but it squeezes shut the duct which is close to your nose, where the tears drain oh. out of your eyes and into your nose. So as a result, there's more tears coming in than you can get rid of transiently, and they overflow and make your eyes water, and maybe you feel like you want to cry a little tiny bit, and okay. that's the reason.
0: Okay, but now that you've mentioned it, why is it that in a room full of people, when one person starts to yawn, everybody else does? Is it a kind of vibration that kind of travels around the room? Because it's happened. It, it happened well, while we were even just talking about it it's a social
1: vibration, isn't it? It's like a sort of a social equivalent of a tiredness or yawning equivalent of a Mexican wave where oh. you see someone doing it and you feel compelled to join in. It. We don't know for sure, but it's probably got an evolutionary origin. Other animals do it too. It seems to be associated with when people are tired or bored or falling asleep and perhaps they don't want to. It probably is related to making you more aroused and awake when you were trying to feel tired, um, when you're feeling tired and trying to stay awake, rather. Yeah. So why might it happen and why might it be contagious? Well, if you think back in history, if if you're sitting there and you're in a vulnerable position and you might be about to become someone's lunch or dinner and you're all nodding off together... If one person's sleepy, it's likely everyone's a bit sleepy. So if you make yawning contagious, everyone (laughs) yawns in sympathy, then everyone wakes up a bit and the likelihood that... one person is not going to be left awake to look out for danger is much much lower so oh. it has a sort of group preserving effect why does it work? Well we don't know for sure but there is evidence that when you yawn it does actually cool the venous plexi the blood vessels in the head and therefore it will contribute a bit to brain cooling we know a tired brain mm. is a hotter brain and so if you cool oh. down a hotter brain oh. it probably does restore some vigor and some a level of arousal to you I didn't and know therefore Therefore, yeah. yawning probably helps to make you feel a bit more enlivened because it does have a brain cooling effect and you can, you can simulate the effect of a yawn if oh. you hold a cold compress on your forehead and you want to yawn, you'll notice you yawn much less if you cool your forehead down. And that's part and parcel of the kind of proof of that theory that wow. it's about brain temperature.
0: Well, I hope Zoe got all of that. She's just eight, but I hope that Zoe got all of that information that she can pass on now to everyone else at school. I want to know like, about the mouth. And I'm sure that you've had a lot of questions about this, uh, Chris. Uh, the, the mouth and why it heals so quickly. I was eating a lollipop just before I started the show at one o'clock and I kind of ripped my inside lip, the inside, and a chunk of meat actually came off and it was hanging off there. But by now, almost two hours later... It actually feels like it's healed itself. Why does the mouth heal so quickly?
1: Not just the mouth, your entire gastrointestinal tract. Oh, okay. Everything from the top end to the root end heals really fast. And the reason for that is mm-hmm. every time we eat something, it goes through us and scours off whole sheets of cells and so you have a very fast cell turnover and tissue replacement rate all the way through your gastrointestinal tract to protect you from the physical effects oh. and the abrasive effects of what you're eating and then the chemical effects of what you're digesting what you're eating with because your stomach acid is aggressive and can, can do damage because it's corrosive your pancreatic and digestive juices in the yes. intestine can do the same thing so to protect you from eating yourself from the inside out you have a really oh, wow. high healing and and Turnover rate. Your skin in the parts of the body that you tend to rub most skin off from yeah. also does the same thing. Our skin heals really rapidly because you have high cell growth and turnover rates in those places for precisely that reason. You're more likely oh. to do damage there, therefore, you heal it up faster. Okay.
0: All right. I think I deserve another lollipop for after the show for that one. Uh, Johnny wants to know, Dr. Smith, I need to know whether my toenail, that's my big toe, will grow again after I hurt myself and fell and it came off completely. I'm 63 years old. Will Johnny get his toenail back?
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's happened to me in the past. When I was Ouch. little, yeah. someone dropped one of those big parking posts. Oh. You remember when you see parking spaces oh. and there's a sort of a steel yes. post that that swings up and when you go in your parking space, you put it up and then lock it in position. Well, I was little, I was about three. And uh, I was running around and, and a girl uh, at this event I was at just lifted one of these things up and I was standing there and she just let it go and oh. it came down like a hammer on my foot. Oh, my goodness. And, and my toe went completely black. And this is because you get a hemorrhage under your toe. You actually burst blood vessels. There's nowhere for the blood cl- to go. So you bruise under the nail and the pressure builds up. And it's very, very painful because sure. you've got high pressure under the toe, uh, under the under the nail, and it can't get out and and in fact one of the best ways to save a nail if it hasn't already fallen off like hasn't Johnny's case but if it hasn't fallen off you drill a hole in your nail let the blood out and the pressure drops and its immediate relief it feels fantastic and the best way to do that safely of course get some help with this but yes, a needle heated oh. up to red heat in a flame oh. and then very quickly touch through the nail it will burn a hole through don't have to plunge it far <laughs> it will let the blood out like a geezer <laughs> <laughs> and, and the pressure will drop and you will feel relief and you'll think, oh, thank goodness. But shame. if it's gone too far... And when his nails come off completely,
0: completely shame. Is, it, will, is there a chance it'll grow back?
1: Mm. Well, if, if it has gone too far and you don't get to the uh, kind of bloodletting approach in time, yeah. unfortunately the, the nail does then separate from the nail bed. But nails are just inert dead tissue. They are keratin, the same stuff your hair is made from. And they are produced from the base of the nail where there is a line of stem cells that just as your hair grows from a hair follicle, there is a nail bed. And those stem cells are not injured usually by this kind of thing unless you do actually physically do something to that part of the the, So hopefully Johnny's
0: nail will start to grow back.
1: If if just the nail is separated, which is almost like a protective mechanism to let the pressure out, it should then begin to regrow from the nail bed. You just have to be patient. My my thumb, I, I changed gear a bit vigorously on a tractor and crushed my thumb between the gear knob and the fuel tank it was an old-fashioned oh, tractor goodness. and um, and my thumbnail went completely black like that and I did try the let the blood out technique but it still meant the nail fell off
0: I think we need to do like some traditional prayer for you or something you need some blessing you and the nails and the stories I mean you've had a lot happen to you <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened to you okay I think we have a voice note let's have a listen to one of those we don't, not yet. We're not ready with that one. All right, well, we still have a question. Um, what is the natural product to avoid laughing lines in front of your mouth? <laughs> what, what is the natural product to avoid laughing lines in front of your mouth? Why don't you want laugh? St- just don't laugh, I would say. Hey, Chris.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> Don't laugh. What are what laughing. Um, wrinkles. Wrinkles. And this is something yeah. that comes to all of us as we get older and the reason we get wrinklier skin as we get older is because the composition of skin changes. Because of the insults of sunshine and other toxins like cigarette smoke. Cigarette smoke has one of the most powerful aging effects on yes. your skin. It breaks down a chemical called elastin which is the elastic tissue in your skin, which gives skin its natural stretch and re- stretchiness and resilience. And as you lose elastin, you also lose collagen, which is another protein, which yes. is part of the connective tissue in skin. And But more importantly, you lose more elastin than collagen. So your skin still has integrity, but it has less stretchiness, less elasticity. And so, whereas previously the skin would pull itself into a flat sheet that looks nice and wrinkle-free... Because you lose the elasticity of the skin, it's more likely to fall into ridges and furrows. And you ask, is there a natural product you can use? Well, I suppose Botox is a natural product because it's the product of the bacterium clostridium Mm. botulinum. And botulism is a form of food poisoning where you produce this toxin, which goes around your body and blocks up all your nervous system. But made synthetically and injected safely, it paralyzes the nerve to muscle connection so it switches off the ability of muscles to respond to nerves. And if you relax the muscle, instead of the skin being pulled into ridges and furrows, it just flops out flat and you iron out your wrinkles that way. Unfortunately, if you go a bit too far, you end yeah. up looking a bit like Joan Rivers and you, you have an unreactive face <laughs> and you will never smile you know, at anything
0: so, ever again. So. Uh, well, it's not, it's, it's
1: permanent in so much yeah. as the blockade will last as long as it takes yeah. the nerves and the and, muscles and to make, so to replay, or the nerve rather, to replenish the thing that's been lost. Yeah. Um, the target of Botox, it binds onto the nerve ending irreversibly, but it does replenish the structures that it binds onto. So after a couple of, uh, t- three weeks to a month, you've normally made all the things that were blocked up and replaced yeah. them. So your ridges and wrinkles and furrows will come back. So you're back off to the clinic for another very for, exorbitant injection yeah. of Botox, or you could just live with the fact that we all grow old and, and, grow, get old and
0: grow old gracefully. I've heard, I've heard some of the, the wonders of natural castor oil. Apparently, that's the new thing now. But there's always some fad. There's always something that is going around. But apparently, this new whatever version of castor oil um, that is out there is working wonders for people. But if you are a smoker, so then stop smoking. So you're not going. Those are not those are not laugh lines. Those are smoking lines that you have there. So, yeah, like you say, and just just admit that and, and accept that we are getting older, but if you can't afford to do those little things for yourself, then why not go out and do them? All right. Um, and let's have a listen to that voice note. Hey, Dr. Chris. Um, I've been struggling for like the last week or so with uh, dry mouth syndrome. I mean, it is getting better, but I mean, I, I am drinking... Way over two liters of water and milk. So like four liters. Just so that I cannot, yeah, because, yeah, my mouth is so dry. Um, is there anything I can do about it beyond that? Um, I went to the doctor and it's apparently due to anxiety and uh, stress and uh, vitamin B3 specifically, um, deficiency. But, yeah,
1: it's just taking so long to heal. Just wanted to know your thoughts on it. Mm. Thank hey. you. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. The medical word for dry mouth is erostomia, and it can occur for a number of reasons, and the, the voice note mentioned some of them. Because when we become stressed, we activate our sympathetic nervous system. Because when we become stressed, we activate our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight-or-flight response. One of the effects of that is to switch off or disable the secretions that come with saliva or tears and and so on. And so if you disable those, you will get a dry mouth. So therefore, Mm. dealing with the stress is one way to combat it. It can also arise because of infection. And there Mm. are some infections that affect the secretory glands your salivary glands and there are some also autoimmune conditions which can arise because of infection where your immune system damages or disables your um, salivary glands and this can also contribute to a dry mouth other interventions like radiotherapy can also do this so really it comes down to looking into what the cause is and then finding out whether or not that cause is reversible or not. Sometimes it's a medication no. that you've been taking that will do this. And then stopping the medication or adjusting the medication. Sometimes the thing has arisen in a way that's irreversible. Therefore, you have to find a way to treat it symptomatically. And there are various pastels and lozenges that you can suck, mm.
0: which mm. help to oh.
1: si- stimulate a bit more saliva production. I'm worried and about vomiting. all
0: the milk that Fred that, that he's drinking in addition yeah, well, to the this water, is, that, yeah this
1: is this is uh, also something to think about don't overhydrate little sips or sucking on a a, a lollipop a, a sponge or yes. something which is soaked in in some liquid to keep things and be um, moist without making it too oh, dry you're okay. quite right
0: all right, Chris. Unfortunately, this is where we have to say goodbye to you. We have Peter and Soweto on the line. But I think what we're going to do is keep his question for next Monday. And uh, that is exactly, uh, and you can prepare for it. He wants to know what causes irritable bowel syndrome. So, Peter and Soweto, we've run out of time. And uh, that will be one of the first questions that uh, I think uh, we'll ask on the show next Monday when Dr. Chris Smith is back with us. Chris, stay safe, stay away from heavy machinery. It's been a pleasure talking to you again.
1: Yeah, it has. You're nearly <laughs> There, you nearly (laughs) got that margarita now.
0: Nearly the margarita, okay. (laughs)